What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Cultish, where we enter into the kingdom of the cults. Before this episode begins, I want to point you to the cultishshow.com forward slash blog forward slash commit. That is a blog written by Dinu, the dear sister in Christ that we interviewed for this next series that is about cometicism. Please go there because cometicism is a mixed bag of topics and beliefs, and this blog will really help you understand the worldview behind the people and movement that we are speaking about, the conscious community, in a sense. Also, guys, we are listener-supported, and we are in need of your support. So if you are feeling led to donate, please go to thecultishshow.com forward slash donate, and you can donate one time or monthly. You help us keep the lights on, and we thank you for all that you do. So enjoy this, this episode, guys. My name is Eddie, and I was in a call. Planet Earth about to be recycled. Your only chance to survive or evacuate is to leave with us. It started as an effort by a charismatic preacher to build a new society, but it ended, of course, with the tragic deaths of more than 900 people. Please, for God's sake, let's get on with it. We've lived, we've lived as no other people have lived and loved. We've had as much of this world as you're going to get. Let's just be done with it. Let's be done with the agony of it. This is a revolutionary suicide. This is not a self-destructive suicide. So they'll pay for this. They brought this upon us. You're in a cult. I love you, and I want you out of it and with Christ. But you're, you're, you're... intentional uh, moves to keep the knowledge of uh, ancient commit away from uh, people, away from the people, definitely from black people and from the world at large, um, being that a lot of the uh, modern day world religions are uh, highly based upon uh, uh, Kemetic or ancient Egyptian uh, the spiritual knowledge, um, that being the fact. Uh, it was necessary, I would say, to hide uh, to hide that information in order to give us a pure dose of indoctrination, per se, without us being able to see its ancient origins. All right. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Cultish, entering the kingdom of the cults. My name is Jeremiah Roberts. I'm one of the co-hosts here. I'm joined, as always, by my trusted friend, Super Sleuth and co-host up in Harriman, Utah, Andrew, the Super Sleuth of the show. How are you doing, man? I'm doing well. I am doing well. And soon I will be moving because my, my lease is up. So where will I be then? That's the question. And will you give that away as well? I know. Jerry? We'll just have to see. I mean, I pretty <laughs> much gave your location away already. And, of course, you have your very exquisite, uh, luxurious, expensive neon lo- uh, sign in the background. Yep. Uh, yep. It's about yep, $40,000, yeah, right? Exactly. $40, very, neon very sign. exquisite. So um, we are going to be talking about a very interesting subject today. We're going to be talking about... I'm trying to figure out how we even begin to, for anyone who's never heard about this group before, uh, we're going to be talking about uh, like comedic spirituality. Um, I first heard about this by way of, it was with, uh, I met you uh, back in February, a doctor on the block that mm-hmm. Vocab Malone was hosting at his church. And then he had done a video, uh, presentation on people who say that Jesus never existed, kind of appealing to a lot of stuff brought up in Zeitgeist. But then he kept on mentioning the conscious community. And so I'm like, who are they? Who is this conscious community? 
And then I went to your breakout session mm-hmm. and I was fascinated by your presentation. Really glad you could come and join us. So why don't we just start, how would we begin with this? Cause I kind of feel like this whole conversation, this is like, there's a big picture, like the zoom out big picture. And then you have like the zoom in like Google maps, mm-hmm. right? So you have counter cult apologetics. You have like a map of the United States. That would be your typical cults. Very well known, like Mormonism, Jehovah's Witnesses, Scientology, like mainstream stuff that people know. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, when you look at, you know, we'll, we'll be unraveling with the urban apologetics or urban countercult apologetics, that would be like a map of L.A. And then when you actually look at cometicism, like that's that, that's like a back alley somewhere in the backdrop of L.A. somewhere with two people having like an intense conversation mm-hmm. is the way I describe it. Is that an accurate assessment or how, how do we explain this to anyone who's listening in? You know, for some individuals, it is the main street. Right. It's the mm-hmm. main street. It's very familiar to um, some people. Yeah. But, but then to others, it is that back street. It depends on who, who we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, but that is a, a good an- analogy. OK, so you have kind of like three different categories you have. Well, first of all, you know, your passion about the subject of urban apologetics. Mm-hmm. How that I mean, usually Christian apologetics is just a defense of the Christian faith. Like, how would you define, like, urban apologetics? When I hear urban, that just sounds a little bit more, like, gritty and intense, like kind of like rolling up your sleeves or, or something like that. Like, how would you define that? So, you know, urban apologetics is really basically contextualized apologetics, where you're still responding to people's um, objections, you're still responding to their questions, but the conversation is going to sound different than it would, mm-hmm. say, um, around a, you know, mainstream apologetic. Um, there's just different people, different groups of people have different reactions to Christianity. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you have to meet people where their objections are. And so there's some conversations that will never be held in mainstream apologetics. Right. Right. Like you will never go to, say, Biola University and you will never, uh, you know, get a course that says, is Christianity the right man's religion? 101. That's not going to yeah. be a course that's offered. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not going to get a women's studies course that's that that explores is the black woman God. You're just not going to do it. But we still need to talk about these things because even though they're not mainstream um, discussion, discussions or conversations, they are very prevalent um, discussions in other arenas. And so that's what urban apologetics address addresses. It addresses, Mm -hmm. um, it addresses conversations that are contextualized and that aren't discussed mainstream. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so what I'm curious about too, and maybe you can rattle this as well too. So you have in the category of urban apologetics, you know, in this case, you're talking about groups that are dealing with, you know, talking about like European oppression, Mm -hmm. or in this case, if you heard this video, we played a video from somebody, I just typed in comedic spirituality and and there, and sure enough, you know, we have a a guy guy making claims that, you know, the, a lot of the ideas from the ancient world were stolen by the Europeans and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So when you look at, um, one of the categories of urban apologetics, you call like the conscious community Mm -hmm. and, from my understanding, maybe, and Andrew, if you have any thoughts too, you can jump in as well too. It's that it's there's certain categories of groups similar to like the Hebrew Israelites or the, like the Nation of Islam, in this case, Kemeticism, where it's a type of spirituality, but it's uh, specifically focused on the black community. Um, but it's also um, trying to figure out how the best way to describe it. Someone from the totally on the outside <laughs> looking in, um, 
they are basing their spirituality kind of off of that assumption that, you know, they have areas in which there's been legitimate oppression and colonialism and stuff like that. But then they, they base their religious group off of that. Mm-hmm. Is that, am I on to something? I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm trying the best I can to describe Yeah. It. You know, when we talk about um, the conscious community as a group, you know, it's important to define terms because mm-hmm. especially in this cultural co- climate that we exist in, conscious can mean different things. Yes. So when we talk about uh, the conscious community in this context, um, a good way of, of defining it is just defining conscious. What does conscious mean? Uh, Conscious brings with it this idea of being awake and being aware of, you know, your surroundings and and who you are. Anyone who works in the medical field will understand this, that, you know, there's a way to assess a person's level of consciousness. And that's Mm -hmm. to ask them some questions. You ask them if they know where they are. You ask them if they know what time it is. How many fingers am I holding in front of you? Absolutely. But one important um, thing that translates well to the conscious community um, from the medical field is you ask them if they know who they are. That's a question about identity. Yeah. And so when we're talking about uh, the conscious community, what we're talking about are ideologies that are based on identity. They're identity-driven um, uh, ideologies. And so you mentioned before Hebrew Hebrew Israelism. Mm -hmm. Hebrew Israelism is a very good example of a conscious community member. Their whole doctrine is based on their uh, claim that they are the descendants of the biblical Hebrews. You have to understand that and acknowledge that and accept that before you go further into the doctrine. Um, There's other ideologies in the conscious community as well. Um, Things like, I'll I'll name a few, the Nation of Islam, NOI, Mm -hmm. Uh, five percenters, more science temple, all of these groups, they differ. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's some similarities, but they differ as well. But all of them are identity-based um, ideologies for uh, that address people of African descent. Yeah. Well, no, that, interesting. that's interesting. To, yeah, what, what, what did you want to ask, Andrew? Yeah, I was going to say, um, with regards to co- cometicism, uh, would it be that they're Conscious in the terms of like you were speaking the definition awake aware. I think it's almost in terms of specific for cometicism is is it's almost woke politically and then also woke spiritually in the sense of uh, racial struggle and identity as well. Is that something that's specifically tailored to cometicism? Because they would, uh, I mean, during my own research, there's lots of LGBTQ going on within cometicism and things of that nature. It's very politically fueled into their spiritualism. Is that unique to them? Well, um, you know, there is a difference, and I think it's important to make this distinction because sometimes when you go on the internet and you're uh, getting information about cometicism, you might come across something that's called cometic orthodoxy. Cometic Mm. orthodoxy is very different from what we're talking about here. Um, The cometicism that we're talking about here is strictly um, at being a conscious community ideology is strictly about identity for people of African descent, whereas comedic orthodoxy um, is not that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's there, there, it's European. In fact, the leader um, is a European lady. So um, as well as comedic orthodoxy acknowledges that they, you know, are religious. Uh, cometicism, as we're talking about it today, 
it, it does not own religious affiliation or religion affiliation. So there's 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 differences there. Um, but, you know, it's important in these conversations um, when we're talking about this, that, you know, there's a specific reason why these are identity based ideologies. Mm-hmm. Um, it's no secret, you know, what the history of black people um, on the women on the Western Hemisphere, where we're we come from right and um, in this conversation it's important for us to remember that identity and dignity Mm -hmm. both of those things were uh, violently stripped from people and so all of these ideologies um, the goal is to regain dignity and in identity and so that is the thing um that drives this drives this ideology and all of the ideologies that are housed in the conscious community Mm. yeah so um why don't we do this like defining terms so from my understanding you can clarify too is um so kemet so kemeticism comes from kemet Mm. and kemet is it's a word that basically describes ancient Egypt. That's that's a term. Like so, it used to be called Kemet. Before that, is that is that the, how do you define Kemet? Yeah. So Kemet is basically what the country that we called Egypt today, what it used to be called. You know, there's other countries mm. in the world where the the name has changed, right? And and in yeah. Egypt is one of those countries. Uh, it used to be called Kemet. It is now um, Egypt. And so it's so you can interchange. You can say ancient Egypt equals Kemet. Okay. And then kemeticism, um, that suffix there is mm-hmm. right, is the ideology. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's just interesting too, and Andrew, you can let me know your thoughts. Like when I was thinking about, okay, this is sort of the Hebrewites, Hebrew Israelites, except it's New Age in space in Egypt. And like that's interesting because the only thing that comes to mind when it's Egypt and New Age is like ancient aliens, like pyramids <laughs> and like UFOs and kind of like all everything that entails with that, like all the ancient alien stuff. Um, Define, because I mean, you have a couple of books here as well, too, um, yeah. that d- define like what, what that actually looks like for them. Like, what are they actually trying to recover? Is it authentic? And is it authentic uh, spirituality that they practice? Because like when I think of ancient Egypt, I'm thinking like the pyramids. I'm thinking, <laughs> I'm thinking like the mummy with Brendan Fraser. I'm just trying to like think. Of like what that entails. What's the game like Hounds and, Hounds and Jackals? <laughs> I'm, thinking, I'm thinking like anything like culture like Egypt. But what does it actually look like for them? So this is one of the fascinating things because when I started to, you know, uh, dive a little bit more deeper into Kemetism, um, I think that when you do that deep dive, you also have to look at ancient Egypt, right? Because the claim um, by people, the claim from people, I should say, um, in the comedic community is that black people need to make a return Mm -hmm. um, or a rediscovery of their African spiritual roots. But here's the thing that's interesting is that when you go and look at ancient Egypt, you see that, that it's there's there's not a lot of congruency. It's totally, um, totally not a return, <laughs> yeah. not that return that they're telling everyone else to make. So, for example, I mentioned it a few moments ago. This is just a simple one. Um, you know, ancient Egypt was very religious, highly religious. Yeah. Right. They had uh, they had all indicators of religion. They had priests. They had belief in a deity. They had a code of ethics. They had religious uh, festivals, rituals. Um, they were, by all, all intents and purposes, 
purposes a religion. The Kemetic community today disowns the notion of uh, religion. They will, uh, in my experience, you'd be hard pressed to find a Kemetic practitioner who owns being religious or that they practice a religion. Um, and so that in a very superficial is a very superficial mm-hmm. example of how, you know, ancient Egyptian religion is not what we're uh, totally seeing from the comedic community. Yeah. Well, that's today, interesting, today. too, because when when they're talking, they're making they're sort of making almost like new age claims where you can be, sort of become your own God or rise to like a higher level of consciousness. And again, I'm someone again from the outside looking in, I would assume that ancient Egyptian spirituality would be worship or or adherence to the specific, you know, uh, deities mm-hmm. in, in ancient Egypt. They think of like Osiris or, mm-hmm. or the other ones that would entail Egyptian spirituality. Um, like how, like how, where did, I'm just curious too, like where did this all like be, when did this like actually start? Is this a recent movement as well too? Well, um, I, I want to say this as well, just off the jump in case I don't get back to it. Um, this is a very, vast, um, non-monolithic community. And so it's almost, I would say, in my humble opinion, it's almost impossible to talk about this ideology in absolutes because different people believe and hold to different things. So I'm just going to throw that out there. Um, But to uh, your question, what was your question? Sorry. Where where you thought this kind of like originated, because this seems to be kind of like very modern, you know, Yeah. So, you know, when you're talking about when did it popularize in the African-American community, that would have been, um, you know, 1940s. Um, But the interesting thing is that it was kind of uh, it was held by Europeans first. Right. People Mm -hmm. like um, Kersey Graves, um, uh, very well known and prominent um, Europeans held to these ideas that are um, some of these ideas that come from the comedic community today. Mm-hmm. But to answer your question, it became popularized in uh, academia mm-hmm. as well as street level in the 1940s by individuals who essentially just took the, the teachings of, mm-hmm. uh, of European s- scholars. <laughs> yeah. No, it's interesting. Like, what is... Like if you could just find like a comedic spirituality, I mean, do they have, do they have sort of like their own like church service and do they have any particular rituals? I mean, they kind of like, at least the video where I was, one of the videos that you had sent me, it seemed like it's, it's kind of, you can kind of make it as, do as, do as that wilt where you can kind of assemble it, you know, together. Mm-hmm. But um, like, what is, are there, are there community gatherings? And if so, like, what do they do? Is there a sermon? Is there any sort of like. Do they have their version of like communion or the sacraments? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. What does that look like at all? So again, uh, disclaimer: it's yeah. different, broad, very broad. Some, some general examples, I yeah. would say. So you know, you do have pe- individuals who are more um, ritualistic and who do who do do the prayers, who do uh, libations, who do um, you know. Uh, specific um, ceremonies that that were done in ancient Egypt. You have mm-hmm. those those individuals, and then you have individuals who don't who who don't do all of that. Um, really, the thing that drives this ideology is is a couple things. Is two things. 
Um, and then wherever you go from there yeah. is, um, in, again, in my humble opinion, fair game. So mm-hmm. those two things are a hatred of Christianity, okay? Yeah. Um, because to people in this community, um, Christianity is seen as the white man's religion, and it's seen as a representation of colonialism, of, of European um colonialism Mm -hmm. and so there's a hatred of christianity and then the second thing that uh again uh is is consistent uh consistent between all um, conscious community ideologies is that there is some level of uh i I, I will call it disdain <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. for um, Europeans and or European cult- culture, again, for what they represent. Um, and so, you know, there's 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 a, a vast, uh, again, range of this disdain. Um, it can be small, wide, tall, narrow. Yeah. Um, but but those are the two consistent. Uh, yeah. One thing I noticed was um, was in the videos that specifically gave comparisons of Kemeticism versus Christianity. Like I was watching it wanting to know, okay, what is Kemeticism? But in it, they were more just like dogging on Christianity versus that. It seemed to be more of their catalyst to kind of curb stomp it or shake their fist at it. It's And then so it, that definitely seemed to be like a major, major issue. Mm-hmm. So in other words, when you look at Kemeticism is that, they are saying that true authentic spirituality <clears throat> is originated in Kemet and it's based in cosmology, which is creation myths and Christianity and probably ultimately any other worldview, but specifically Christianity, which is interesting, is that these are essentially uh, copies. It's a counterfeit mm-hmm. of authentic spirituality. So in the same way, thinking of their worldview, you know, what Walter Moore would say, the existence of a counterfeit predicates the authenticity of an original. And so a big part of countercultural apologetics is becoming familiar with who Jesus is um, and his, de- his claim to deity and just everything about his, his divine nature. Um, because every single cult, they always distort that Jesus Christ is God come in the flesh. So mm-hmm. in the same yeah. way, Walter Martin would talk about how the way he had someone he knew that they became familiar with detecting counterfeit currency by studying the original, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So that's an illustration that Walter Martin gave a counterculture apologetics. But they, from their perspective, they would view Christianity as as a counterfeit. This is somehow a copy off. So there is it's strictly. Um, so in other words, on some level, like Europe, the European culture came in to Kemet or to Egypt, and they took. Um, all aspects of authentic spirituality, but they made it their own thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In, in, but, in, but specifically, not just they could have their own thing, but in order to oppress, in order to be to oppress them and to enhance their colonialism. Is that is that kind of like really what's projected with with with, with what they talk about? Well, um, you know, you're you, you're mentioning the whole copycat thing. That is very prevalent in the community. This idea that Christianity. Um, it's merely, it's merely um, a copy, and uh, it, it is because of what you said, um, the the uh, colonialism, right? Um, just being uh, taken over by by the European culture, as well too. You know, no one can deny that um, 
Egypt, ancient Egypt civilization, Egyptian civilization is old, right? Mm-hmm. It, it's very old. And yeah. so um, the idea that uh, Christianity is, is stolen from that, I think, comes from those two things. Yeah. 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 And it's example. Andrew, what are, what are some thoughts that you have? Yeah. So what is their view uh <coughs> kind of on the Bible or even the Exodus, right? Like the ancient Israelites in Moses, do they believe that essentially the Bible we have today and the stories from the Old Testament have been manipulated, have been manipulated by the white man or the Europeans? Uh, because the stories of the Israelites, there's de- they're definitely not white, right? And they're definitely not European. Mm-hmm. And so, so how, do they, how do they handle that? Do they think that, well, uh, actually Moses was... Well, obviously he was the, the the son, right? He like he was the he was like a prince essentially of Egypt. Do they think that he was more than that to them? Do they think that there's been something lost in the Bible? Like, how do they handle those things? So, um, a couple of things I can say about that. Um, first of all, there's uh, individuals in the community who give no credence to to, to the Bible. There's people um, in the community who 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 believe the Bible to be fairy tales. <laughs> And so they don't think that anything in the Bible actually historically happened at all. Um, So you have that group of people. But then um, there's other groups of people who do acknowledge uh, that, you know, Moses spent time in Egypt. Joseph spent time in Egypt. The Israelites spent time in Egypt. Jesus spent time in Egypt. And so this all contributes to the idea of Christianity biting from um, Egyptian uh, religion because the, they did spend time in Egypt. So that supports right. um, their their claim. That supports right. their yeah. claim, yeah. Well, I think it's also good to unravel, as we unravel this, is that a lot of their claims is very similar to just, not just like other fringe groups that get into pseudo-history like Zeitgeist or kind of into that weird, you know, where Jesus is a copy of the, you know, the different... He's just a copy of just other pagan myths that are out there, or Jesus is a copy of Osiris or, or whatever. So it seems to me that there's almost like a separation within Kemeticism, re- regardless of the individual's personal uh, convictions and beliefs of exactly how to live that type of life is being someone who practices Kemet, essentially. I don't know how I would say that correctly, but it seems like there's almost like a form of African atheism with Kemeticism, and then there's also the type of African spirituality is as well and you can fall off into almost two groups is is that something that is that is true or uh are all of them essentially spiritualists in nature um so you know this is we can kind of go back to the the question that we discussed before when you asked about is ancient egyptian religion what we see being practiced today Mm -hmm. so africa as a continent historically was definitely not atheistic. There was a supernatural world. Everyone had a belief in a god. Every um, African traditional religion uh, identified a god that might have been removed from humanity, right? They might not have been having direct uh, interaction with the god that they believed in, but there was a god. The interesting thing is that there are some comedics who are atheistic, which is very fascinating to me. How are we practicing an African religion and you don't believe in a God that's very un-African? Yeah. No, I mean, Africa is inherently like just a very spiritual climate. You can like feel it. Like I've been to both Morocco 
um, which is predominantly a Muslim country, but I've also been in Kenya. And just both of the times I've been to both there, especially Kenya, you could just feel it in the air. Mm -hmm. Like it's just a predominantly like spiritual climate for sure. Um, What I think is just interesting is that while this is a very um, micro niche group within the context of urban apologetics, I think, however, the aspects of pseudo history uh, that are brought up, while this is a very unique group, you see things about, you know, the Bible being put together by Constantine. You know, Joe Rogan cons- mentions that constantly in this podcast. Oh, does he? Um, yeah. And so you'll have other groups that, you know, people like Bill Maher or other people that will just appeal to like very pseudo claims where like this is not accurate. Every single time, you know, when right around Easter time, they use it on the History Channel, they'll they'll have some sort of special documentary with like the lost gospels or like, did Jesus really rise from the dead? And they always bring in these like this like pseudo Gnostic uh, gospel. So I think it's as a whole, this is representative of something that we need to have an, an-, an answer to. Cause mm-hmm. it's not just with the cults, but a lot of other religions, they will appeal to pseudo history. Mm-hmm. And that's something we, we need to know for ourselves, but also to be able to give answers. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's pretty troubling because, um, you know, we all know this in the age of the Internet, that everyone is a scholar. (laughs) Everyone (laughs) who can get on the Google machine immediately becomes a scholar in what in what they just Googled. Yeah. Um, And so that's that's problematic when you talk about things like this. It's problematic when you get your information from random, random YouTube content creators who don't list sources. They're, they're, you know, they're just talking. Um, And so these are the ways that these kind of ideas can proliferate, right? Just the age of technology. No one, no one has to be an expert anymore. No one has to um, study or original sources. You don't yeah. need to do that. You just need to find a voice to listen to and agree with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause it's almost like a lot of time just in the in, internet. And this is interesting too, because I think the, just with the internet and how it's evolved the last 20 years, I mean, I'm 41. So I remember getting my first MySpace, going to Facebook. <laughs> There's actually a meme that was posted recently. It was like, um, it was like MySpace, Facebook, Instagram. Like this is when I was young and that shows TikTok and that's now I'm like super old, <laughs> you know, that's yeah. just, you know, the internet has evolved a lot, yeah. but I think with the involvement of the internet and the, you know, the influencer age is that you all, you have a bunch of little like pseudo cult leaders that are out there. I'm sure there's probably a ton of comedic TikTok influencers. I haven't had a chance to even look those up, but I'm sure they're out there for sure. Yeah. Um, I- they pro- they all like vary from each other, but. You know, people are just hungry for answers, and mm-hmm. and, and that's the, the social media is definitely a catalyst of that for sure. But even um, what was it? And I think a lot of times though, when we talk about like internet argumentation, you know, people have a meme of like the Bible being put together at the Council of Nicaea, and they have that meme, and they're like they're like holding it back like a Dragon Ball Z, and all of a sudden they're arguing like, oh, there you go, yeah, got you, yeah. It's kind of um, fascinating because um, for some, not all. Yeah. Some, not all. <laughs> For some, memes become uh, a point of source documentation <laughs> and scholarship. Right. Um, so, yeah. Well, they'll tell you, do your own research. That is As a cop out to not have to cite their actual sources. Yeah. And as a, um, that's, that's also very commonly the response to when you ask someone um, a specific mm-hmm. question. Um, you know, the the go-to phrase, anyone who deals with um, 
the the conscious community and <clears throat> for sure the comedic community understands and is well acquainted with the phrase do your own research right <laughs> right um yeah where do they stand typically like politically uh, and like Andrew just mentioned a moment ago, there's a couple of people that seem to be a lot more like woke associated or LGBTQ stuff, which tends to go towards the left wing of politics. But there is an article that you had sent me of a guy named Young Pharaoh, mm-hmm. who is a rapper, but he was at uh, he was he was participating in CPAC, which is a re- very well known conservative you know organization, and Donald Trump you know is typically the main speaker there, but he was asked. I, apparently he was asked to step down and pull aside because he had twe- he had tweets that were anti-Semitic. Mm-hmm. Um, where is there any, does it, is it just, is it kind of all over the place or does it tend to focus a certain area? Like most things, it is um, non-monolithic. That is going to be like probably the anthem of today. <laughs> There's, uh, you cannot speak in absolutes, um, but you mentioned Young Pharaoh. Young Pharaoh is, very much so um, a, a social media influencer, very prevalent. Um, you know, he he had a YouTube following that numbered in half a just on YouTube, half a million people. Yeah. Facebook. I don't know the number there, but he started on Facebook. He had a, a huge following there. Um, and so, yeah, he was uh Initially, he was invited to be a speaker at CPAC, and then uh, upon further investigation Mm. by those in charge, they realized that he might not be the person that you want to um, have a mic in front of at a a convention like CPAC. Do you know what he was talking about or doing that would have made him like as someone who would be a guest at CPAC? You know, that's a good question. I don't know. I mean, I... um, I'm familiar with Young Pharaoh and his videos. Mm-hmm. And so um, me personally, I yeah. didn't need a reason to see why he was invited. I knew immediately that he shouldn't have been. So okay. I, oh, okay, gotcha. So personally, I didn't look into it. That would be, um, I, I believe we might be talking about Young Pharaoh uh, in a later episode. So mm. I can look into that and see, okay. and see what was the draw. <laughs> yeah, sounds good. Another question I have too, and Andrew, I'll let you jump in as well too, is... Um, when it comes to their level of argumentation or reasoning, and again, it varies, but they again, the claim <clears throat> is that uh, Christianity is a European copy of, of Kemet spirituality. And there's a lot of times where in like pseudo history or even like pseudo etymology, they'll take something that kind of sounds similar and they'll make an association with it. And so I remember seeing this one video of this guy claiming that the Bible was an astrological text. Um, it wasn't a comedic video, but because you mentioned the Adam, A-T-U-M. Mm-hmm. But I remember this video, this guy was making an association with Atom <laughs> and Adam, right? Mm-hmm. The only association is that they kind of sort of rhyme a little bit. In English. In English. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you see examples like that in in uh, in this? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, off the top of that is a really prevalent one. Yeah. That is one that is constantly, even though it gets debunked constantly, it reappears just as constantly. Um, another one. Um, I might have to think about that, but there are several. Um, several associations that are not associations at all. Mm. Um, and it's just, you know, 
you're hard pressed sometimes to convince people that just because a homophone exists in a language, mm-hmm. uh, it doesn't mean that there is a relation between mm-hmm. those two homophones. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Very, very interesting. Andrew, what, what are the, what's on your mind? What are you thinking? Yeah, I'm trying to think presuppositionally here. So <laughs> if we have groups of people uh, who believe in comedic thought or this uh, conscious community in terms of comedicism, uh, there's truth claims being made, which I wouldn't disagree in terms of colonialism and slavery being wrong, but I have a standard outside of myself that tells me these things are wrong because God says that uh, man stealing is wrong. Kidnapping is wrong. Slavery is wrong in terms of the way the colonials did it, which is different than biblical indentured servitude. But what, what, what standard morally that are they appealing to, to make claims that these things are wrong? Cause it's like, it's easy in the position you sit in, in the modern West world, while we have Christianity that is massively influenced the way that we have mental thought in capacity in terms of morals as being something that's uh, absolute in a sense, but then to, to have that standard of which is the society you live in, but then to say that that God is wrong while you're angry with the things that have happened in the past. Like what, what's their moral standard, I guess is what I'm asking. What law do they appeal to that is outside of themselves to say that those things are inherently evil and wrong? Yeah, that's a good question because um, this is uh, this can be spoken of as another example of the idea of their claim that uh, Christianity copied ancient Egypt religion, Egyptian religion. Uh, so one of the claims is that the Ten Commandments are a copy of what is called the Forty Two uh, Laws of Maat. Okay, um, and so yeah. have you heard of that? Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And so uh, Ma'at was uh, a, a goddess in ancient Egyptian religion that represented um, harmony, balance, reciprocity, um, order, um, the antithesis of chaos. And so uh, what would happen is that there's 42 um, laws of Ma'at. They're not really laws. That's another thing. Uh, the Ten Commandments are laws, right? Thou shalt not, thou shalt not. The 42 uh, laws of Ma'at, I'd rather call them um, negative confessions, mm. uh, are confessions where you would you would say, you would start your day with saying, I will not, I I will not do this, I will not do, do that. There's 42 of them. And then at the end of the day, you would say, I have not, I have not. Those That's not a law. Those, that's not a law. So they would appeal to uh, Ma'at. Um, that is a code of eth- ethics that governs their behavior. And so that is what they would a- appeal to. And again, it, it, it goes back to uh, a deity, the, the goddess Ma'at. And so that's what they would appeal to. Very works-based right? Very different from Christianity, which is holy grace-based, very works-based system. Mm-hmm. That's what they appeal to, a self-works-based system. Yeah. Mm. Wasn't there, I think there was, as we were up here, I'm just curious what you mentioned, Ma'at, is um, <clears throat> there was uh, one of the videos I was watching, it was just the very beginning of like a live stream that one of the leaders was doing. And he was uh, introducing, you know, people that are on the live stream, but he said something like something Ma'at. Like how he greeted people, you know what I'm referring to? 
It's, um, it's almost like you know how, how someone who's who's, who's Muslim, like, you know, they say like salam alaikum or alaikum salam. It was basically a version of that. Do you know what I'm referring to? Yeah, it's one of the videos that you had sent me. It could be. I mean, um, it could be just a reference to to peace, right? Okay. Yeah. So um, the goal, the goal in Kemetism. Oh, I guess I can't say that. There's many goals. Mm, yes. <laughs> but, generally speaking, yeah, as general as possible. Yeah, yeah. Um, balance, order is something that you live for, that you shoot for. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I said before, it is opposed to chaos. Mm. And so um, and so sometimes uh, people even have the word um, ma'at in, in their name as well. It's, yeah. it's just really this um, idea of uh, peace and balance, mm-hmm. order. You don't want to be out of order. Right. You always want to be in a state of balance and um, even things like justice, righteousness, mm-hmm. um, reciprocity. Oh, definitely very interesting. So why don't we do this? I mean, we've kind of given people a very general overview. Uh, just real quickly, if anyone wants to find out more of like you and, and any, any of the other works, where can they find you at? Uh, you can find me. I do not have my own YouTube channel, but I... Um, I, I hop on other people's YouTube channels. So. Okay. Well, you got so, a couple weeks till this comes out. So if you start your own YouTube channel, we'll give you a well, shout out. <laughs> um, I'll pray about it. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's all good. So um, you can find me. There's an amazing um, urban apologist, uh, Alfredo Valentin. He goes by the name of BK Apologist on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Uh, people, people should look him up and find him. Um, you can find uh, Adam Coleman, who is True ID Podcast. That's T-R-U, the real you, mm-hmm. hyphen, ID, Amago Day, mm-hmm. uh, True ID, um, Apologetics. You can find him on YouTube. Look him up. Uh, Vocab Malone. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he's Vocab Malone yeah. <laughs> on YouTube. Find him. Look him up. Um, there's just a, uh, um, a few. Those are the few of the platforms that I frequent at this time. Okay. Awesome. So let's yeah. do this. I mean, you have... Not only do you know about them, but you've also have, to have figured, you know you've have some experience too, and like on how to engage them with the and bring up and address the objections that they bring up. So what we'll do is that we're going to probably maybe address a little bit more of that in part two. So if you guys enjoy this episode, definitely let us know what you thought. Definitely a, a very interesting uncharted territory here at Cultish, but you know there's no end in sight to where the where the gospel doesn't need to reach. So um, yeah, thank you all for listening. We'll talk to you guys next week on Cultish. Talk to you guys soon.